Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. Now, should we, t- should we try two different intros here to see which one is more effective? Sure. I, I can go first, and then you can go. Yeah, so right. Yeah. I, I can say, well, welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm David Smith. And I'm Marco Arment. Uh, oh, this show's never longer than 15 minutes, so let's get started. <laughs> 30 minutes. So, at, 30 so I think minutes. Our, our, first, our first test is off to a, a roaring success. I, I don't have any practice doing that part of it. It's hard. <laughs> it, I did yours fine. Oh, yeah, and yeah, you nailed mine perfectly. <laughs> but yes, so we are going to talk. So everyone knows how much Marco and I love automated testing. And specifically, we're going to talk about a particular kind of that. A-B testing, which is honestly the only kind of automated testing I've ever actually used. Is this really even, like, could this even be the same thing as testing? Like, should we even be using the same word? Because, you know, what most people say automated testing, they're talking about a code level thing. (laughs) Oh, sure. I know. I know. That's, you know, but this is, this is the kind of testing that I can get behind. And it's automated because I built a system to do it and it happens automatically. So, I mean, I, I would, I would maybe call this more like marketing science. Sure. But the, the fancy word that everyone uses for it is A-B testing. Um, and I think it's just – it's something that I looked down on for a while. Like I don't know if look down is the wrong word for it. But it's like I feel like it was always this like – you get these articles that were passed around every now and then where it's like, ooh, you know, Google tested 46,000 shades of blue for their link in their home screen. And they're completely – you know, they're like the app – or the, all their design, design decisions are designed by computers and it's lost, you know, the, a sense of soul or artistry and you kind of pass it around in that way. And I feel like sometimes it's easy for me to think of it in those terms. But – in recent recently, this is something that I've started using, and it's a tool that it's like surprise, surprise, people are using it because it's useful and because it can answer questions that are very difficult to answer otherwise, and lets you, in some ways, be more creative. I find, um, which is something I want to talk about later. But it's, it's I think it's really important as a, a you know a developer with limited resources to consider this as one of the tools that are available to us, that it's something that we can use to make our apps better, to make our apps in better in ways that are actually like meaningfully and measurably better, not just like notionally better. Um, but before I dive too much into that, I think it's important, I think we we'll figure out, start with just kind of like a general overview of what A-B testing is and the mechanics of kind of how it works. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I actually would love to hear from about this from you because this is exactly the kind of thing that I wouldn't do until you did it and told me and kind of convinced me to do it because like because <laughs> sure. you are you are so much more like pragmatic and experimental than I am. Like I, I when I hear something like A/B testing, um, I which I don't think I've ever actually really done <laughs> like I've done like you know notional things like oh let me, I'm going to change the wording of this thing in this build. And then see what happens. But then I'm not actually testing at the same time. So I'm like, you know, I'm not controlling the variables. So it's not really A-B testing. Um, You know, where you are very good at pushing the boundaries of what independent developers think we should be doing and not doing. You are more open-minded to say, like, you know what, this thing that, like, you know, other people do that indies think is not for us or not appropriate for us or not something we need to do. You are more willing to try it and then report back to us and kind of you know convince us in in more you know evidence based and and you know less less emotional or less assumption based reasoning than we would use like whether we should actually be be looking at this or not. Thanks, that, that's encouraging to hear. But it's, it's I think it's it's very much like A/B testing is a 
two, oh yeah, let's just do, do my overview. So A-B testing is a method by which you can evaluate the relative performance of two things in a way that you, at the end of the test, you have reasonable confidence that one is better or worse than the other. Um, or they're the same, I suppose. You can, you can, you can end, it ends up with this, this sort of comparison function between two things. And in software, what we're typically doing is we're going to segment our user base, our audience, whatever it is, into, you know, two groups. For the purposes of this, I'm going to do two groups. You can do A-B testing with more than two groups. It's just the math and implementation of that gets very complicated but it's like in my version of this i've done it with multiple very variants and you just kind of have to account for that but for simplicity you take you know you say you take your audience and you go split it into two groups and you're going to want to try and make those groups as similar as possible so that you're not creating some kind of bias in your system so say for example you wouldn't want to do it that if you know it's from midnight to noon utc is one group and from noon to midnight is another group for example like where you're shifting it based on you know time of day that would be a bad way to segment your group because now you're creating these other variables that might impact you know, how people are responding to whatever it is you're showing them. You want to segment them essentially randomly. And so like for my A-B testing, I'm doing this completely randomly. Um, it's just, you know, using, uh, you know, Swift's random functions to um, adjust for this. And it seems so far has been working great. And I think it's close enough for my purposes that I'm not trying to do something more fancy, but you just want to have two equally representative groups. And then you're going to show each of those two groups something different. Um, in my case, I started doing this for trying to work on improvements to the paywall in Widgetsmith. That's something that I'm wanting to work towards making it better. I want to make it more, you know, sort of actually have a higher conversion rate and, you know, have in increase the number of people who are starting subscriptions. That was the, th my, my ultimate goal is, you know, how can I change my paywall so that that happens? And so the first thing I did is I took my original paywall and then I created a new one and it was slightly different and it was different in like, I changed the buttons on the, the bottom of my paywall was the first AB test I did. And for one of my, one of my groups, I showed them the one for the other one, I showed them the other. And then I instrument my app so that I can tell essentially how many times did you show A, how many times did you show B, and then what was the relative conversion rate of A versus B. And you, you know, I put this in my app, I, I, I run it, and what I start to get back is, you know, as they're reporting back their data, I'm getting the number of times the paywall was shown and the number of times that, uh, you know, someone turned, became a, started a subscription for each of these two groups. And in some ways you would think, well, that's all you need. But the more it's like, and this is where you start to get beyond my expertise, but into an area that I think I can describe, but not understand. Um, and this is the sort of the concept of statistical significance and whether uh, the differences you're seeing are actually meaningful and you should interpret them as being true, or if they are potentially more likely to be um, a result of chance. And the way that I think about this is say you were trying to see if a coin was fair. And so you, you know, you flip a coin and in theory, it should, you know, be half the times should come up heads and half the times it should come up tails. And so you flip a coin once and it's heads. So right now you have a hundred percent heads and zero percent tails. And so if you stopped your test there, you'd be like, wow, heads is way more likely than, than tails. You obviously you don't have enough data to really draw that conclusion yet. And so you flip it again and it's, it's also heads. So now I have two heads and zero tails. And it's like, wow, this, you know, this, 
this paywall is performing amazingly. Your, you know, A is so much better. But obviously, the more you flip the coin over time, if it's a fair coin, you'd end up with 50-50 and just sort of these statistical sort of noise that you can end up with where you can have streaks of people in the, you know, in, AB, in my case, I could have streaks where there's just people are being more generous and or more excited or whatever it is. And you have these things that are kind of happening, but it hasn't, but it's, it isn't actually representative of the fundamentals um, difference. And so you, there are these big formulas that you can just sort of plug your data into and you, you know, you essentially, the more, tr- the more trials you have, the easier it is to say that there's a significant difference between one thing or the other. So if one of them is coming in, and obviously if you have big differences between them, which in a couple of my cases I actually did where, you know, it's like one of them has, you know, has, has, one, has this performance and the other one is like twice the performance. You actually don't need quite as many trials to say that that one is actually better. But if you're in any of these cases where one is 5% better or 10% better, you actually need a relatively high number of trials before you can be confident about this. And so the way I've been doing this is, you know, there's lots of little like websites or calculator things that you can just punch your data into and it will tell you, you know, how likely can you be, how, how confident can you be that this difference that you're seeing is actually meaningful and not just the result of kind of statistical noise um, going back and forth. And the end result is that you'll end up with some kind of improvement and a confidence score. And so, you know, so my old paywall versus my new paywall, my new paywall performs better. It performs better by this percent. And I'm can be in my, you know, in my case, I was like 99.9% confident that it was actually an actual improvement. And then you, from there, you just can kind of continue to iterate on this and you can continue to say, well, what if I came up with another, an, you know, an, another test to run or another option to try? And you can just keep adding options into this and you continue to see what's the relative conversion rate? How do they compare it against each other? And kind of go from there with the ultimate goal, obviously, of trying to say, what is the best, you know, the, the, the best version of this that I can make? And the best, as long as you have a good definition of best, you're, you know, you're, you're in a good place. And for something like a paywall, it's relatively easy because I can, you know, I, I can relatively, I can say, you know, what I want is someone to start a trial. That's my goal. And that's pretty straightforward. If you're doing something where you're trying to like A-B test, you know, c- colors in something, you know, which, which color should I make my, um, you know, the, the text in my app and you're going to be like, well, I want to improve retention. It's like retention is a very hard thing to measure that takes a very long time and is impacted by a lot of different factors. So that's probably a hard thing to measure, but something like this, where you have a very clear goal, you can segment very easily. You know, essentially every time someone taps on um, a paywall, I have an opportunity to segment them, say, which group are you going to be in? Show it to that person. Um, and then I can measure the, measure the result. And I think the only other thing that I want to mention is that the, something I found that was relatively important for things like this is in the importance of when you're doing that segmentation to be slightly sticky with it, to move, you know, to make a user into one of the, the, the groups and have them stay there. Um, in my case, like I have them stay in there for at least two or three days because you don't otherwise, you know, if, if every time they open the paywall, they're seeing a different one to some degree, that's helpful, but then they're also, they're gaining the exposure to all of the sort of subsequent ones. And what you're actually measuring is, well, if I show the user all three of my paywalls, the third time I show it to them, they'll be successful. And that's gets really complicated. And so have a sense of some sense of stickiness to that. And then in my case, you know, after three days, it resets and does a fresh check to see, it checks in with the server and says, are we still running this test? And you know, if, if they're in a group that is still valid, it will you know randomly reassign them again. 
But anyway, hopefully that made sense. That's sort of the general process for this. And the end result is that, you know, in my case, it's like I've been able to have a more performant paywall because I tried a lot of different things, things that I wasn't sure about. And I can validate the end result with actual data to know that, yep, these are better. This is, you know, more people are starting trials than were before, and the app, you know, sort of like the app is more sustainable as a result. We are brought to you by Supporter. In past episodes, you've heard us talk about how to handle customer support in your apps. Well, you can add a native, great-looking support section to your app in only three minutes with Supporter. Bring your support section to the next level with step-by-step instruction pages, frequently asked question toggles, image and video support, release notes, contact options, markdown support, great accessibility, and more. And it's only 62 kilobytes. You can use Supporter with local data, or you can load remote JSON files for easy updating without having to update your whole app and you can localize your support section based on the language of your user you can use the optional count-based analytics to keep track of which support sections get visited the most that way you know exactly which parts of your app are unclear this Dave, this sounds a lot like the way you did yours manually. Um, With your one-time purchase of Supporter, you will receive the full Swift UI source code so you can customize every little detail, clear instruction videos on how to build a great support section, and full documentation with example JSON. So this is obviously very right up the alley of a lot of our listeners and possibly the two of our hosts here. So head to supporter.goodsnooze.com. Like snooze, like sleeping. So supporter.goodsnooze.com goodsnooze.com use code under the radar for 20 percent off to get supporter for just 20 bucks add a complete support section to your app in only three minutes with supporter once again that url is supporter.goodsnooze.com code under the radar for 20 percent off to get it for just 20 bucks our thanks to supporter for their support of this show thank you so much to supporter okay so i'm actually i'm really curious you know, this this world of A-B testing, so you brought up a few things I would not have thought of, like the stickiness thing of like, you know, make sure somebody's being shown the same thing on subsequent attempts within a time interval. That actually makes a lot of sense. And that's something that if I was just doing like a little naive implementation of this, I probably would not have thought of that. The big, I think, dilemma and, and the big um, nuance point here for a lot of indies is similar between A-B testing and analytics. You know, we've talked about analytics before. Uh, and we both perform some level of very basic first-party analytics in our apps. Um, uh, you know, we don't integrate like big analytics packages, but you know, we both have kind of like these custom stuff running on our own servers to just say like, oh, you know, this percentage of the user base uses this feature of the app or whatever. Um, and I, I think my my big challenge with analytics has been over time, like figuring out what is the right balance here. What is and and what what analytics can I collect? that are actually actionable. And that that to me is always like the the key like gotcha factor is am, am I collecting this data because I'm just curious and I, I want as much data as possible, which is not often a great thing, especially in a privacy conscious world. Um, or am I collecting this data for some kind of decision to be made in the future? Like, is this actually actionable data? And I feel like with A-B testing, you have a, a similar issue with that and you have a couple of new issues so that you know the similar issue is you know are you testing something that really needs to be tested you know can you just figure out like which of these text labels is more clear on this button uh, or do you really need to test it and then if you test it are you actually going to get like a, a really significant difference between two options or are you most likely to get like you know a, a, a very small you know not super significant difference between the two um and there's going to be different areas of your app where you have different choices to make here um 
and then you know obviously things like things like paywalls um, or you know whatever whatever your business goal for the app is that seems like the most important uh, place to to put something like this you know thing, things like you know if you have a login or account creation process you want to know like how how what what kind of tweaks do you have on your first launch experience that can make more people proceed and, and create the account or set up the thing or whatever they need to do um, and then obviously you know when it comes to how you make your money if there's a in-app purchase or whatever you obviously want to instrument that as as well as you can to be as optimized as it can be within reason and, and i think that's that's the key part is like you know people made fun of the google Forty Thousand shades of blue thing because it seemed ridiculous and it it did seem more of like a, a micro optimization and i think you can definitely get bogged down a lot in in that sort of thing of like you think you're optimizing the, the heck out of something but you're actually spending a huge amount of time and and waste and privacy and data to possibly only get something within a few percentage points of what it was before. And so I, I think this is one of those areas where like a little goes a long way, just like analytics. Like you kind of want coarse grained analytics to know like, do people really use this feature or do I really need to be doing this thing? But to get too fine grained with it, I think is a possible trap of infinite work uh, that you might be creating for yourself for very small gains. Yeah. And I think with that too, the thing that I, one thing that I like about A-B testing that is sort of related to the, the sort of the, the, the tension around analytics and around whether you're collecting too much, is it's useful, is it private, et cetera, is I do kind of like with an A-B test that in some ways it has a defined duration that the purpose of this is to try, you know, try this versus this. And once you have an answer, once you have collected enough data that it's just statistically valid, you can stop the test, stop collecting data and it goes away in a way that a lot of analytics and a lot of data collection is intended to be something that sort of goes on forever. But like in a weird way, the one small sort of nice thing about this kind of this kind of data collection is that it's it's very time limited, which doesn't mean that you should be any less cautious with the data. And like, I'm very thoughtful in the way I build my system that is like, I don't know anything about these people. All I know is that it's like someone, someone opened to pay, you know, opened the paywall, someone started a membership i don't do any connection to the actual like membership itself i'm not trying to collect or be creepy in that way but there is something nice about this that it's it's very time limited which both in terms of my time and my energy like my goal with doing this is i want to as quickly as i can narrow in in like what is within a few percentage points of the most optimal paywall that i can make find that and then move on to other things, move on to um, improving the app in other ways, like adding features and doing the things that I like the main business of my app, rather than getting too stuck in, like, I'm sure at some point, I would hit it, like, I've yet to hit that point yet. And I'm continuing to run experiments and trials on improving my, my paywall. But eventually, I will hit to that point where I try something that's another improvement or another idea. And at some point, it's like, this is the best I can do. This is what it, you know, sort of. This is what it is until I can come up with a different, you know, another co- whole concept or something fun, something more fundamentally changes. And at that point, you know, it's like I, you know, I'll move on and I can close this down and stop collecting this data. And so that is certainly a, one nice thing about this is that it is time limited in a way that a lot of data collection isn't. I think the other possible, you know, major pitfall that you could run into here is people treat data. Like, you know, they, they, whatever, whatever result you get from an A-B test, you're like, oh, we have data on this now. And people treat that as gospel. 
and it's like this this data this is you, know, it's, you cannot argue with the data and the data means if we do this we will make more money and therefore we are doing better so therefore we must do this because the data supports that and i think you really have to be careful with what you're measuring how you are evaluating the you know the the score of the different options that you're testing like how what exactly are you evaluating when you're saying that a is better than b or vice versa and that doesn't necessarily result in a broad picture or you know long-term uh success necessarily and it doesn't reflect longer you know larger scale um factors in your app so for instance you know, we we hear a lot about like, oh, well, the company X tested this thing that seems like people wouldn't like it, but it turns out it performs better and it makes them more money. And it's like, well, yes, maybe. But if it makes people hate the app more or if it makes the app seem overall crappier or more user hostile um, or or people just kind of get, you know, a little bit annoyed by it then that might have long-term negative effects on your customers and, and on their willingness to use your app or their impression of you or, you know, how often they'll come back to it. Like, if people if people do the thing you want them to do but are encountering friction or annoyance while doing it, then that's that's very likely to make them, like, just come back less often. And, you know, if the time comes that somebody somebody else comes around offering the same thing that you do, maybe they'd be more willing to switch away from you because they they actually have a kind of you know ambivalent relationship towards your app uh whereas you know it, it seems by, by the numbers that you are measuring from your testing it might seem like you are succeeding by making certain decisions whereas you actually might be irritating your customers or or just giving them little paper cuts and so you really have to be very very careful like how how you are judging how well you're doing here because what you are measuring with an ab test is a very small thing usually you know it's it's like it's literally the definition of like you know the forest of the trees it's like you you are looking at one tree you are missing the entire forest around you and so you really have to be very uh inquisitive about like if i do this thing if i increase you know the success of this thing by this metric am i going to possibly cause other negative effects that i'm not measuring because all you're optimizing for in that case is the thing you're measuring but that doesn't necessarily mean you're making a better overall app or a better overall business. Yes. No. And I think that's an excellent point to make. It's like, it's like, and, and the, the sort of obvious version of that would be like, say I started lying in my paywall and say like, you sign up and I'll send you a pony. And then like, <laughs> you know, my conversion rate might go up. Yay. It's like, okay, but I'm not actually sending people ponies. And so that's going to make people really upset and ultimately lead to lots of consequences. And so it is like, is you have to be very careful that what the changes you're making are, are it's like, ideally it's you're choosing between like two good choices. And it's like, which of these is the most good rather than like trying to be, you know, putting yourself in a place that yes, you could be optimizing yourself into a, into a, a worse app that is going to perform worse on more sort of like macro measurements that it's like, it's going to, people are going to be less likely to recommend it to their friends. People are going to be less likely to continue using it. Um, that they might sign up for a subscription, but they'll only do it once and they'll churn away. And then you're actually like what you really, you know, it's like you, it's like it'd be much better overall for your business, almost certainly to have a smaller number of people who, 
you know, sign up who keep their subscription every single month going forward rather than have this very sort of churn heavy, lots of people signing up and then immediately canceling, signing up and then immediately canceling. Like that seems like this, you know, the version where they stay, stick around is going to be much more sustainable and better for your business. And so being careful and thoughtful about this. And I think that's just, in some ways, it's just another form of design. It's another kind of way of understanding that you don't want, the, the, this is a, a tool that you can use, but if you overuse it or if you use it in ways that, you know, if you like never create an option that you're not comfortable with or you're not excited about or you don't think is good, but instead it's trying to understand, I think in some ways for me it was, I realized that I was designing a lot of things with assumptions or things that were built for me and people who think like me and people who are developers or people who are, it's like, I was designing a, a paywall screen that made sense to me and looked good. But in what I was sort of increasingly finding is that my paywall screen that I had made initially was confusing. And what I've been able to do with my refinements is to make it less confusing. And that's the kind of improvement that's like, that's great. That's, that's, this is exactly what I want. I want to make it clear. I want to make sure that people who are signing up sort of know what they're doing. And the way that I, sh I saw that is like in, I also measure, you know, the number of people who hit on the like start subscription button, but then don't actually complete the purchase. Like I keep track of the, you know, whether people are just because they hit buy and then the, you know, the, the, Apple's screen takes over and it's like I was able to get my cancellation rate down which to me says like in terms of the number of people who hit that but the number of people hitting the start subscription button and then actually start a subscription went up and it's like that's perfect that means people were not confused whereas in my old version people were hitting that button and then they're like wait what you're going to start charging me money or you know the pricing wasn't clear or whatever it was for whatever reason they said cancel that's not what I want and getting that number down, I think is, was like, yep, this is, I'm going in the right direction. But yeah, absolutely. It's important to make sure it's like, you're, it's like, if you're going to make it, if you're choosing between two choices, like both choices before you start down this road, otherwise you're just ending up, you know, you can optimize yourself into a really bad place. Yeah. Like common sense first before you even create the test and, and always, and keep common sense in mind. You know, like when the reason why design by committee is considered so bad and tends to produce bad results is because design by committee reduces the chances for like an authoritative human decision to be like wait this this is not good even though like you all we're all kind of trying to build consensus like but you know one person can say like wait this this is not good we should just do this um and data is is a way to basically have like the ultimate design by committee that's not often a good thing. <laughs> like, ideally, you have an opinionated human with with good with high standards and decent taste, whose decisions are being informed by data, and that's a very different thing than making every decision by as much data as possible. Um, you know, you still like I, I think that that's a much better balance of like, you know, you have to have somebody who's who's providing the human filter above everything. So, you know, like, you know, the, a very common uh, thing we've been talking about recently around these circles is uh, the discussion around streaming app quality that John Syracuse started on Hypercritical's uh, blog uh, about like, you know, all the different TV streaming apps. And one of the things is like, oh, if you if you the most common thing people want to do is resume the show they were already watching. But 
everyone learned through data that if you move that below the fold of the launch screen, then it'll you'll make more money because people will basically accidentally look at more content on their way to the thing they actually want to do, even though everyone hates it. And like all the customers are hating this, but technically the data says that you it performed better on certain metrics. And like this is such a great example of like there weren't enough humans involved in that in, in that decision. There like data overwhelmed it uh, to the point where now we have worse products. People are less happy. They they are actively being annoyed by all these streaming apps. And so you know what if if they're constantly being annoyed by the streaming apps, and then something else comes along, some other service comes along that they're less annoyed by they're going to want to spend more time in that one. And, you know, it. so it's it, it's it's complicated, but I think the answer is, like, let data help inform you as the human with good taste and who respects your customers to make a better product overall, not letting data optimize all of the humanity and user satisfaction out of your product. Yeah, and I think using it as as a tool to be more creative. like, And I think that's where I'll leave this with, is the thing that I've really enjoyed about this is looking at these, some of these screens in my apps and saying, okay, how could I design this in a way that I think is great, I think is awesome, but is different? And coming at it, coming at it from like a totally different perspective and saying like, if I was designing this from scratch today, what would I do? And trying to come up with different versions that I think are all good, I think are all humane and coming from the design aesthetic and the way I want to structure my business and the kind of business I want to have. But having the, in some ways, there's a, there's a freedom in rather than me having to only design one and that everything has to be that. I can design five and I can, each of them are different in different ways. And then I can explore which of those are actually more understandable, more communicative, getting across my point better to my customers. And I found that to be incredibly satisfying creatively rather than feeling like I have to just ma- magically from my own way kind of design the right thing, come down from my ivory tower and show it to my customers. And so instead, this is a way to design lots of things and to make that process in a weird way slightly more collaborative, which has been really enjoyable. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.